There is a the Chinese symbol. I don't know if you know about this, right? The Chinese symbol for crisis actually has two characters. They're the two little shaped things, right? One is danger and one is opportunity. In every point of crisis, you can take two avenues. You can look at the danger or you can see it as an opportunity. But uh, funny enough, uh, look, I wrote this message months ago, so I had no idea that uh, we'd have a friend going spreading around. But um, Chinese people, funny enough, will always put their family name or their last name first. It's a bit of a European thing, isn't it, too, as well? Yeah. And it's because the last name has more importance than the first name. The family name actually carries more importance than the individual. In Scotland, right, I, I have Scottish heritage. My, my grandmother was a full-blown Scot. Um, we come from the Johnson clan, which is actually one, a large border clan. But they had clans all over the island of Scotland. And their clans, they had a name that origin, had an origin. And then what would happen is they would have a clan that would take over an area and then smaller clans would come underneath the protection of the larger clans. The tribes of Israel were all named after the children of Israel, formerly known as Jacob. It was when Jacob, the supplanter, that's what his name means, wrestled with God at Bethel, that God changed his name to Israel, which means God contends. Names have a great importance. Knowing what your name is, is always important, especially when you go to school. But knowing your family family name or your lineage is also important. Knowing where you come from has vital importance, but greater is knowing where you're going. There are always advantages to different people's personal names. If your name is Trump, last name is Trump, it has both a blessing and a curse depending on where you stand. It has a blessing because if you walk in the hotel or walk into one of his buildings, you're probably going to get some preferential treatment. If you're a Democrat, you're probably going to throw something at that person. If you don't know what's happening right now in America, besides all this corona rubbish, um, there is a, a primary for the Democrats going on that's quite hilarious. I like watching politics a little bit and some of the politics in America uh, give you a good laugh. But names, depending on what your name is, depending on who you're connected with, can give you an advantage in life. And there, and there are some other names that will hinder you depending on where it's connected to. If your last name is Hitler... Right? And you might come from Germany. I guarantee that people are going to look at you a little bit different than maybe having a name of something else. And depending on what your name is, depending on who you're connected to, will sometimes determine how people will treat you. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced the VIP treatment. It's when you go to a place and they look after you, they offer you all this, they help you with that, help you with this, 
ask you how you're doing, what would you like to drink, get you everything you would possibly need and make you feel, or a good way to put it is, give you the royal treatment. To be treated like royalty. Everyone likes to be looked after. Everyone likes to be special. Everyone likes the concept. I know there's been a couple of times we've gone to certain hotels and they look after you a little bit more. We like to go to a certain restaurant. It doesn't happen very often. And they, the service there is normally pretty good. And they're constantly making sure that your glass of water is topped up, um, that you have everything you could possibly want, and, and certain things, and they like to look after you. Anyone else like that? Anyone else like being looked after? No, none of you. Okay, I'm the only one. That's all right. Jesus was talking to a little man. His name was Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Revelations 1, 5 to 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of this earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, the glory and dominion as his forever and ever. Amen. There's an interesting part in this. It's because of what Jesus had done, he made us a kingdom of priests. I just want to let that sink in. When Jesus died for us, it wasn't just about dying on the cross. It wasn't just about forgiveness of sins. It was what we were being, not just been saved from, but what we were being saved to. We were saved from our past. We were saved from our own choices and our decisions, but we were saved to the kingdom of God. You and I are all from a kingdom of priests. You and I all have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've decided that what Jesus did for you actually matters to you, you have received everything that that entails. Not just what he saved you from, but what also what he saved you to. And what he saved you to is to live in a kingdom of heaven for all eternity and everything that goes along with that. That is our eternity. Now when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray in this way, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus was talking about is not the fact that, just the fact that there is a kingdom waiting for us, but that we can bring some of that kingdom here on earth. Now let me read that passage of scripture between Jesus and Nicodemus. And he said, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I believe when Jesus was talking about it with Nicodemus that it wasn't just that you can't go to heaven, but that you can't see here on earth the kingdom of God. When we become born again, when we decide that Jesus Christ's life, what he did for us, actually matters to the individual, we then get access to the kingdom of heaven. And Christ's life, everything that Jesus did within those Gospels, everything, 
was he was living a life of the kingdom here on earth. John 3, 16, he says, For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that he, but the world might be saved through him. And anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and the only Son of God. You and I were bought at a price. Jesus negotiated for the individual, not just to have an eternity in heaven with him, but to have the kingdom here on earth. See, we're all children of God. When you make that decision, you become a child of God. You become a joint heir with Christ. Now, my children at this stage are our heirs. I Meaning, if something was to happen to us, they get everything. Now, we've written certain things in our will, funny enough. If you don't have a will, maybe it's wise to actually put one in place. But if something was to happen to us, even now, certain things would take place to look after our children. Now, later on down the life, down the road, they're of age, they will receive everything that we have as their inheritance. So when you become a joint heir with Christ, you receive everything that is promised to Christ. Everything. That means the whole kingdom of God is at his disposal. Now, I talked about this a few weeks ago. We're going to see if we can do this again. When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, I put on Christ. Okay, it's like wearing a big coat. We've all done that. You know, sometimes we watch someone put on this big coat and you can almost, you can't recognise them. Maybe, maybe you've never put on a coat that big, right? But imagine putting on a coat that covered you from head to tail, right? And when you put on it, it's like you're putting on Christ in your life. And then when I go before the Father, when I go before the presence of God, when I want to commune with him, right? when I want to hear from him, when I want to speak to him, when I want to worship him, I'm stepping before the Father. And as the Father views me or the Father looks at me, he doesn't just see Pete, but he sees me wearing Christ or the actions of Christ or who Christ is. He sees his Son through his Son. And so when I stand before him, I then have access to the kingdom of God because of who I am. Not because of what I've done. Not because of all the good things I've tried to do. But because of everything Christ who I have put on has done. Now we all have lack in our life. We all have things that we miss out on. We all have things that we think we desire, think we need. The problem comes in when I don't know who I have put on. Right? It's like having a pocket that I feel I need to fill. And when I have a pocket that I think I need to fill, I can fill it with things that aren't supposed to be in that pocket. So someone offends me, I get hurt. Right? And if I don't deal with that hurt, I can then become deform my identity based upon that hurt. 
And it's like putting that hurt in that pocket because I think I need that hurt. Because it feels comfortable. I feel justified in having that hurt. The truth is I'm not supposed to carry that hurt. And all those things that I can pick up through my life are things like I am sticking in different pockets because I think they actually make who I am. The thing is, I'm not actually supposed to carry those. There's not actually supposed to be any pockets. I'm supposed to put on Christ, and that's it. And in Christ, it forms who I am. It's in Christ that I form who I am because I stand before the Father. And as I progress in my relationship with God, and I'm dealing with things in my life by getting a new revelation of who I truly am, because it's not about... Let me put this... Dealing with your past is more about getting your new identity in that area than it is about dealing with what's there. The reason why I have hurts, the reason why I have offence, the reason why I have things in my life is because I lack who I am in those areas. See, when my father, right, a lot of you don't fully know the whole story, my father sort of checked out when I was about nine he officially walked out the door when I was 17. Okay? And so for all that time, I took on hurt. I took on offence. I took on rejection. right? Because I was sitting there thinking, what's wrong with me? And so I carried those things for so long, and it wasn't until God revealed it, why are you carrying those things? They're not you. That's not who I made. That's not who I designed. That's not who you're supposed to be. Why are you carrying extra baggage? Why are your pockets full of things that you don't need? And it wasn't until, and look, I, to be honest with you, I battled, right? I battled. And I think this is what the, the problem is with most, in a lot of churches because we think we've got to battle everything, and you don't. When I get the identity of who I am in Christ, it replaces my false identity of what I have thought of myself. And it's not about, oh, I've got to deal with this unforgiveness and I've got to deal with this, this rejection. It's about getting the true identity from the Father, that I am received by Him. It's not a question of dealing with the rejection. It's about dealing with my true identity. And the more true identity I get, the more of my past I leave behind. And even if I'm carrying my past and I'm standing before the Father, the Father still sees me wearing Christ. But it's wearing Christ with baggage. And what I need to do is I need more identity. And my identity comes from revelation. And revelation is revealed truth. And revealed truth comes from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's job is to to bring me into all truth. So it's not a question of Brad just reading his Bible one day and him understanding what the words say. It's about those words going, whack, this is the truth. And as I read and as I spend time in the Word, the Holy Spirit is bringing me into a place of conviction and so he reveals truth. It's like scales being removed from your eyes and the truth actually coming out at you and it's that process of that truth coming out at you that I don't actually have to live that. It lives through me. 
This is the difference between knowledge and revelation. When I have revelation, I actually haven't had to apply it. When I have knowledge, I have to make it happen. I strive. I work at it. But revelation lives through me. And the more revelation I have, the easier it is. That's why he said, cast your burden upon me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It wasn't this, I've got to strive. I've got to push through it. It's that, you know what? I surrender. I receive your revelation of who I am in you. And I receive it more, and I receive it more, and I receive it more, and in my receiving, I release. I receive and I release. I receive and I release. I receive and I release. And sooner or later, where you thought you were is now you've gone so far because now you've let go of who you thought you were, and I'm now walking in who I am. The problem is with the church is we don't know who we are. And if we don't know who we are, we don't know whose we are. If we don't know whose we are, we don't know whose authority we come under. See, when I know who I am, it doesn't matter what he necessarily says. If he asks me to give up something, I can give it up. If he told me tomorrow to give Mel's car away, I would. <laughs> but if I formed my identity in things that I think are me, Right? How much untruth is it that I'm carrying? Right? This is why people seek certain things. This is why when chaos takes place, we start seeking certain answers in the wrong places. This is why there's panic and there's pandemonium because people hear about this coronavirus and fear the worst. It's funny because we only finished a little while ago. Um, a TV series called The Last Ship. It, 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 the first series was good. The rest of them lost it after that. Right? But it's about a pandemic that comes in this country. right? And The Last Ship has the antidote. And, and watching humanity form and create certain things but we were never supposed to be like that. And so when a, when a so-called, I won't say so-called, but when a possible pandemic comes into this country, we start forgetting whose we are. We start forgetting who we are, and we start worrying about all the other things. Like, oh, no, I need, I need 50,000 rolls of toilet paper because if I'm locked in my house for a week, I don't know what I will do. Right? Actually, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not an advocate for drinking, okay, so please understand that. But I saw a very interesting post and it had so much truth. And I said this one, I said this. If people understood that if they were locked up, you know, locked down with the people in the house, they might be actually going to the bottle shop more than they would be going to Coles. Right? It, it's, it talks about our, the way culture is, and I'm not an advocate for drinking, so please understand that, right? But it's, it's panic, it's absolute panic. I mean, I think Diane was down the coals today. Uh, she went down there to get something. And she was, she was like, I can't believe it. I can't go down there. It's, it's pandemonium. Why? Because there's fear. And fear is bred when there's no faith. But if I know who I am, 
right? If I know whose I am, then I'm less concerned about my fear and I'm more interested about what he can do for me or what he will do for me or his promises. You know what, look, I have no concern that if I was to die tomorrow, you know, besides my concern of my w- making sure my wife and my kids are okay, right, I'm going to glory. I get annoyed when other people die before me because, like, you get to go first. Send me a postcard. I don't have fear of when I die. I'm not sitting here welcoming it, I'm going to be honest with you, right? But I don't have a fear when it happens. I know it will, but that's what I was built for. I was built to exist in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't get overly concerned about I have to get there, right? Because I know that if I spend time with him, if I do what his word says, if I build and function in my relationship with him, right? Not our religion, our relationship, that I'm doing all I'm supposed to do. And so I don't have a fear of my own Christianity. I have a faith. And my faith becomes centred in me. In a few weeks, I'm doing a, whole, uh, doing a message on, on peace. And God was showing me what peace is and understanding how to have peace. It's a similar thing. I don't have fear because I have peace. I have peace because it's linked to faith. And I have faith because I know who's I am. I don't have to fear what's, what could happen, what might happen. I can rest assured that whatever happens, he's got my back. Because he is always, always looking out for me. He always looks after his own. It says in John fourteen twelve, it says, I assure you, you can just take that. It says, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it as the Father may be glorified as Son. See, we can ask for things in his name because when we stand before the Father, we are clothed in the name of Jesus. We're clothed in the actions of Christ. It's no longer I that live, but him who lives in me. The reason why we can ask for anything in his name is because when he looks at us, he sees his son. Period. Or if it makes it easier, he sees his daughter through his action, through the actions of the son. We need to have a greater revelation, greater understanding of what Christ did for us. Not seeing just the movie or not seeing the action. Oh, that's a lovely story. In Easter time, we remember, oh, Jesus died for us. But actually understanding what it meant, that without him, I cannot stand before him. And if I cannot stand before him, I have no ability in understanding who I am. And if I have no ability to stand, or to know who I am, then the person who has not received him is in the same position. They will not understand who they are. And so when something comes along, we grab hold of fear because we think that's supposed to be part of us. It makes sense in my survival. 
There are advantages to certain people's names. We're in the process of building a legacy. A legacy that we hope and we believe that will live way beyond us. But it's not just a legacy for our kids. It's a legacy for any family who wants to be in it. And the legacy, when I'm old and sitting on my rocking chair, right, on my porch, on property, with a shotgun next to me, right, I want to hear the stories, or maybe I'll be allowed to go, I don't know, right, of where my children are in the same church, and their children's children are in the same church. But their friends that they went to church with when they were kids are still in the same church. And we have multiple generations of generations of generations of families still in the same church. Not that got disgruntled and left because, I don't know, I didn't say hello to them or something else had happened, right? But because they wanted to build something. They wanted to build something in his name. Because they knew that in his name was the same place that they were sat in. See, I'm not building a church, or we're not building a church for ourselves, and we're not building a church for our kids. We're building a church. And that's for God. And that's for the kingdom of God, and that's for his people, and that's for all his children. There's a part of me who wants to hand down the reins to my son. Or maybe my son will, whichever one it works to. Right? I don't force that upon them. It's got to be their choice. You don't, yeah, it's not something you do because you have to. But at the same time, I, I, I want to have kids from parents that started here or got connected here that are still in church. Now maybe they're, they're one of the pastors or maybe they're on the music team or they're one of the greeters and their children's children's children are still in the same church because they're doing the same thing that what their parents, you know, they're still going to the same churches. Do you know in Australia we don't have many churches that existed for over 50 years where the same family or same families are still in the same church. And to me that's really sad. Because when I read the Bible and I see the words of God is a God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He is a multi-generational God. He is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. He didn't start something with someone just because it was a cool thing to do. He started something because he wanted to build a legacy. He wanted to build his name through generations, generations and generations and generations. See, at some point along the line, we stopped. We stopped knowing who we were in him. We stopped knowing who he truly was. We stopped putting on him in the fullness and standing before the Father and saying, I'll empty out my pockets. I'll get rid of what I thought I was. I'll get rid of who I thought I was based upon what I've been through. And I'll start filling my life with who you say that I am. See, I need Christ. I don't need him because it's a cool thing to do. I don't need him because there's a promise of eternity. I need him because without him, I don't know who I am. 
And if I don't know who I am, what's the point? We're created for a purpose. That purpose is to know who we are. And we, we're supposed to know who we are because that connects us with whose we are and what he did for us. And it connects us with the kingdom of God who we're actually created for. And it connects us to our eternity. God just didn't... God's not this... Put this. God is not so vain that he needed to create someone just to worship him. He's love. And because he's love, he needs to emanate love. And he emanates love by creating in order to love. Not to be loved, but to love. But he didn't just create us just to wander this earth without a point. Because part of our existence is to know whose we are. It's to know who we are. It's to discover what our Creator actually did for us, our connections, our purposes. But it all comes down to this single point, is I need to receive Christ, and then when I stand before Him, know that I am clothed with the actions of Christ, but I also need to empty out what is not Christ. I need to empty out what is not me. And I need to seek the revelation that actually understands me. And I need to seek that revelation because it reveals who the revelator is. It's a new way to put that down. Because it's the revelator that is the creator. And your revelator, your creator actually wants to commune with you on an individual and personal level, but also, but also on a corporate manner. Because we were created more than just to exist. We were created to fulfill the work of Christ in us. Let's bow our heads, eh? I'm going to finish in a word of prayer. We had tea and coffee this morning, too. Fellowship. Connect. And stand with each other in faith. We're here if you ever want to contact us or if you're having doubts or anxiety or fear. You can message us. You can phone us. You can knock on my door. Father, I thank you that everything you do has a purpose. And that your plans are yes and amen. And you are desperate for us. You are desperate to complete your work in and through us. Forgive us, Father, where we have tried to fill the gaps with what we thought was us. Father, I thank you that you have a massive plan for each and every one of us. So Father, I ask that you would reveal your truth to us 
that we would have a hunger to know exactly who we are, whose we are. Father, I speak life upon your people and life in abundance. Father, I speak faith. I speak over every person in here that it would be like a rallying point. That if their neighbours in the next few months get concerned or fearful, that they would be able to turn to your children. And even if it's just prayer. Father, we speak open hearts. We speak your mighty word, your touch, your hand. We speak your favour and your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.